The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 2000 versus 2020. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Action Film Face Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother will pick an action film from one of the random years while I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. I'm Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe, and my co-host is my brother, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. We are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. And you know what? We got a regular episode. All right. We don't have Siskoid coming in here with Kung Fu. We don't have a blind fire. Yeah, Carter was a blind fire for me. Was it? I see a half blind fire. Okay. I'd seen both of these before. Well, yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene the hero, and the villain. And it's still not in that order. So for those of you who are waiting for us to fix it, keep waiting. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the film. Right you are, Jason. And as we've done since the 30th episode of our show, we have brought in a sniper. We have? I can't see him. Well, he's a really good sniper. He's camoed up. You don't oh. know where he is? Yeah. Now let me explain the sniper. The sniper has just one point to give in each category. So the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And as I told Jason before recording, I have these two movies one point apart. So Sean could have a huge influence on that. But So I it's think- Sean. It's Sean, is it? Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> it I is time to introduce it. him. Let's meet our sniper. In fact, it is Crusaders Club member Sean Urbanski. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Is the studio like you imagined it would be? You know, it's even better. It's even better. I got all this camo netting, and we've got all these weapons hanging on the walls, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. pegboard involved. It's a bit intimidating, I, I gotta admit. Sean, you gotta answer one of the toughest questions in all the podcasts here as our sniper. What are three of your favorite action films. Good luck narrowing it down to three. All right, with three, I'm going to start off with uh, Lethal Weapon. I'm of that age. I saw it in high school growing up. To me, when I think action film, that's it. And it has a lot of similarities to uh, one of our films tonight. I think of it as kind of the seminal buddy movie, if you will. I guess some people would say it would be uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but I'm not quite that old. So (laughs) Lethal Weapon is the one for me that I really love. Second one I'm going to go with is a probably one that maybe you or your brother haven't seen, which is The Death Wish with Bruce Willis. I think it's 2017 or 2018. Oh. I thought that was fantastic. Our whole family loves it. Even my wife wasn't a fan of action films. It is great really? pacing, great action. If you haven't seen it, you really got to see it. 
Okay, I have not seen it. I've seen the original. I will say that I think the original is a better movie than most people think it is. Like most people have this mental image of what it is if you haven't seen it. And it's a lot deeper than that. So I, I'm definitely interested in this big sale you've just given me on the reboot. Or you know, it, it, it follows all the deepness of the original. It's got Bruce Willis in one of the best performances, in my opinion, that I've seen him give. And then it's kind of like, you know, up the special effects and even the violence to some extent. So okay. two thumbs up. And then my third one is uh, one that myself and my youngest daughter, we've seen like five times. It's one of our favorite. It's a Japanese movie called The Violent Cop. He's described as Japan's Dirty Harry. And if you get a chance to watch it, it's brilliant. We stumbled across it watching, I think, Filmstruck before it became Criterion Channel. We just threw it on and watched it and we ended up buying it. It's one of our favorite films. And I think if when I go through these categories, I might not have the spectacle of them, but in all those other categories that we're going to judge the films on, I mean, it's top. So that's a, okay. kind of a sleeper one. I'd really encourage everyone to watch if they can. Violent Cop. When you saw it, did you see it dubbed or subtitled? Subtitles, yes. Yeah, I've only seen it subtitles and we have it. We own it subtitles. So I don't know if there's a dubbed version out there or not. I tend to prefer subtitles. So that's cool. Now, before our two films enter the Video Dome arena, uh, Jason is off sharpening the spikes right now. We're thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access, special long box episodes, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Helica Wolf, Ow. Auburn Elvis, Bill Beer, Blasted or Stash It, Braxton Underwood, Clinton Robinson, Dave Collins, you probably know him as Battle Wagon, Battle Wagon, Gary, and you can't see me right now, but I'm holding up the V for victory sign, <laughs> Gerald Green, Jeremy L, Jim German, Jim German, Jim German, Jim German, Jim German, Jim German, I hope you like the German too. It's one of your best ones. I'm getting it. Joe Thomas, John Watson, Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Captivating Kathy Bright. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Mighty Michael Wagner. The Miraculous Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paging Mr. Hicks. Mr. Hicks. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob <laughs> Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin, what is good in life? Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed you on our list, of course, we apologize. We record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we'll add you soon. If there's any issues or problems, you can just email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. And if you want to join this club, like Sean has and Jason wish he could, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You can join the crusade. You should come check it out. You know what? I don't need to be in your club anymore, Jared. You want to know why? Why? I'm starting my own club now. I'm going to call it the Short Box Sojourn. <laughs> if anybody wants to join the Short Box Sojourn, come check me out. You know, one of the benefits of that is Pat probably can't say it. <laughs> That is probably true. (laughs) 
Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiator's about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was given the year of 2020. Oh, that was a good year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> Something happened that year, didn't it? Something, Something. Something at the back of my mind. Can't I don't wait. remember what it was. Yeah. But anyway, I selected Bad Boys for Life, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, I got the year 2000, Jared, and I put into our video dome arena, Get Carter, the remake starring Sylvester Stallone. Oh, we've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our signed year. I might very well like his selection better than mine, vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. And now we talk about where we saw it. And Jason, I'll be boring on this one. I had them both. I have them both on my Plex server. So I watched them both via my Plex. What about you? Well, I watched uh, one off of your Plex server, too. So <laughs> I watched Bad Boys for Life off of your Plex server. But you know what? I'm a bad boy for life. <laughs> <laughs> it's not piracy if I share it with you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The other one that I watched off of Amazon Prime, I think it was free off of Amazon Prime, if I remember correctly. All right. Sean, how did you watch these films? I ended up purchasing Bad Boys for Life on Vudu, I think is where we got it. Get Carter, I think, was free. It might have been Amazon Prime. I picked it up. We have like eight streaming services, so it was free on one of those. Well, there you go, folks. There's a couple of places where you can find it. Now, of course, spoiler warning, we're going to be discussing both these films, probably in a significant amount of detail. So if you've not seen Bad Boys for Life or Get Carter from 2000, you might want to do that now. We're going to give you a pause point and we will join you at the other side of this musical break. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed both of those films. Let me jump in with some quick info on 2020's Bad Boys for Life. Hey! Oh, sh- Oh. Come on, man. You can get that buffed out. No, you can get that buffed out. Remember, knock and talk. Knock, knock. Mighty PD, get down! What the hell happened to knock and talk? Hands behind your head right now. I got this. I'm going to penetrate this man's soul with my heart. What? Watch and learn. Sir, I realize that you're scared. You know, sometimes fear. How deep you think you got in his soul? I'm done, Mike. I'm a bit tired. Uh-oh, here we go again. You want your legacy to be muscle shirts and body counts? Look at this mess. It's carnage. I didn't do all this. You didn't shoot anybody? Well, come on, Captain. You know I shot some people. Yeah. F*** me. F*** In these streets, I never trusted anybody but me. I'm asking you, man. Bad boys. One last time. One last time. I'm the definition of half man, half drugs. Ask the clubs, bad boy, that's what's up. He's driving through a mall. We're not just black, we're cops too. We'll pull ourselves over later. <laughs> it's official. I survived what I've been through. Y'all got drama, the saga continues. Bad boys. 
were right about the glasses. I've been telling your ass for a year. He can't be stopped now. Mike, he's in like HD. This bad boy Bad boys, bad boy. Hey, what, what she gonna do? What, what she gonna do when we come hey, in? Hey, hey, uh-uh. No, no, never. Y'all will never do that again. Yeah, and you f***ing up the lyrics, which take a long time to learn. Because it's bad boys for life. Bad Boys for Life starred Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. As if you didn't know that, it was directed by Adil El Arbi and Bailal Falah. They are a duo of directors who made a couple of movies together, and they are straight out of Europe, and this was their first blockbuster, so let's get a synopsis on it. Mike and Marcus are back for this third installment in the franchise. This time, Marcus is ready for retirement, but Mike is still an adrenaline junkie like he's always been, right up until he's shot and critically hospitalized as a result of a revenge plot that goes all the way back to Mike's first days with the police force. Can Mike figure out why this new killer is after him and his friends? And will Marcus come back from his peaceful retirement to be a bad boy just one more time? Hint, yes and yes to both those questions. All right, let's do some interesting trivia. Now, like we mentioned, something interesting did happen in 2020. (laughs) So Bad Boys for Life ended up being the top grossing film in North America of 2020 and the only film to gross over $200 million, though it was largely due to being one of the only films to finish its theatrical run before the COVID-19 pandemic closed most of the theaters in March. This is where the trivia gets a little more fun. Jasmine Lawrence, Martin Lawrence's daughter, is one of the two girls that don't let Marcus and Mike into the club because they're too old. (laughs) You gotta love that. So she got a little acting gig, keeping her own pops out of the club. And your third interesting trivia. We're going to talk about Michael Bay, the director of the original Bad Boys in 1995 and Bad Boys 2 in 2003, appears as the wedding master of ceremonies who announces Mike Lowry's speech. Bay directed the scene himself, which is indeed filmed in his signature 360 degree shot. Kind of a cool callback to old Michael Bay. And with that, I pass it to Jason. And now I will give you the rundown on Get Carter. So, what do you do, like, for work? You want to know what I do for a living? Simple. People make promises and they break them. My job is to refresh their memory. You ever shoot anybody? (laughs) How about this weather? If you've got a problem with business... You get Carter. If you don't take care of business, the business will take care of you. My name's Jack Carter, and you don't want to know. But if he's got a problem with you... I'm Jack Ritchie's brother. Was my brother into something? Why do you care all of a sudden? Because he's dead? I think he was taken out. Taken out? You've got trouble. What do you think you're going to do? Come in here and fix things? You don't fix things, Jack. You break things. Try to do something right. Once. Wait a minute, Jack. All of a sudden, when you sound out of a good guy, you're the bad brother, remember? I know who I am. Let it go. No. I don't think so. Let me tell you something, Jack. I think you should take a, a very big moment and just think about where you are. Say, Jack, when I said you take care of the business or the business will take care of you, did we have a bad connection on the cell?
you listen to me. You get mixed up in whatever it was your brother was into. You've got a pretty good chance of winding up exactly the same as he did. You want to do this little dance here for old time's sake, Jack? Then bring it. You're a big man. But you're out of shape with me. It's a full-time job. Sylvester Stallone. Miranda Richardson. Rachel Lee Cook. Alan Cumming. Mickey Rourke. And Academy Award winner, Michael Caine. Get yourself killed won't bring Richard back. Revenge doesn't work. Sure it does. You've been a pretty bad guy, Mr. Carter. You haven't seen bad yet. Cast and crew included Sylvester Stallone as Jack Carter, Rachel Lee Cook as Doreen, Miranda Richardson as Gloria, Rona Mitra as Geraldine, and Mickey Rourke as Cyrus. It was directed by Stephen Kay. The synopsis goes a little something like this. When Las Vegas mob enforcer Jack Carter learns that his brother has been killed in an apparent drunk driving accident, he immediately suspects foul play. Returning home to Seattle, Carter starts his own investigation and ends up diving back into the seedy roots of the Emerald City's underworld. Also attempting to reconnect with his estranged niece, Jack learns a dark and ghastly secret, one which the perpetrators soon regret that he finds out. Had a couple trivia nuggets for mine as well. First one is that Michael Caine agreed to co-star in the remake as a favor to Sly, with whom he befriended on the 1981 film Victory. Great movie. Great movie. Mickey Rourke had a troubled past with Hollywood, and Hollywood didn't want to cast him in the film. Out of loyalty, Stallone offered to pay Rourke's salary if Rourke misbehaved. According to reports, Rourke was perfectly behaved, showed up earlier on time on the set at all times, and credited uh, Stallone for helping him kind of uh, reignite his career there. Awesome. And then finally, both Mickey Rourke and Sylvester Stallone were considered for the role of Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. I did not know that. Oh, I I actually did know that. And when they decided to go with the more comedic route and use Eddie Murphy, Stallone basically took the original script and it became Cobra. Like the original script for Beverly Hills Cop kind of morphed into Cobra. It kind of morphed in two directions. Like it went comedic one route with Eddie Murphy and then it went more action-y with Cobra. Anyway, stupid stuff I learned uh, on the internet. Your disease. I'm the cure. (laughs) Hey, we need to get that one on the show. I haven't we seen do. it forever. <laughs> yep. Both of these, those need to go on the show. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. Street fight. My goodness, the time has come. We're in the Battle Dome Arena. Now, as a reminder, if you want to play the game within the game, you can play Match Game. We have two films, five categories each. So Jason and I could potentially match up to 10 times. So place your bets. How many times are Jason and I going to match on these? I don't know his scores. He doesn't know my scores, but we're going to find out together. Speaking of scores, here's your barometer. Five is average. It's all one to 10. Five is average means it's okay. Something you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. It gets the job done. 
So there's your barometer. Five's just right there in the middle. Having said that, let's get into round one. The disease, not the cure. Round one is the story. How engaging and or original is your story? We will start. Bad boys for life. The thoughts of our sniper, Sean Urbanski. To me, it, it kind of reminded me a lot of Lethal Weapon theme. It's kind of your basic buddy movie, if you will, buddy action film. There was a lot of great stuff in it, you know, action-wise. But as far as the story, it just seemed to me like it was kind of off the shelf. It seems like you have your main villains. It's either the Russian or Eastern European. It's the businessman. And now the Mexican drug lord has joined that trio, (laughs) if you will, of off-the-shelf villains. Just kind of the whole storyline. It seemed like I've seen this before, even going back to Lethal Weapon. It involves drugs and kind of revenge and... I would just say it was kind of an average plot to me, kind of an off-the-shelf plot. There was no real twists except for the, oh, that's my son. You know, that kind of caught me at the end there, but it kind of, it just kind of felt flat to me. Those are kind of my thoughts on it. I mean, it was definitely serviceable, you know, especially when you put those characters and that action and scenery into it and explosions, car crashes and all that. But, you know, it's just kind of a vehicle and kind of a pedestrian vehicle at that or or average vehicle for telling that story and showcasing those actors in that action and that's the way i felt about it all right jason yeah well i agree with sean on the kind of cookie cutter element to the plot to the actual story he's absolutely right we've seen it before it's a buddy cop formula that works the key ingredient for this to me is the chemistry between martin lawrence and Will Smith. This being their third in the Bad Boys franchise movies together, they really play well off of one another. I like that they did not shy away from the fact that they're getting older. I like that the characters have stayed true to their original selves, where Martin Lawrence is more the family man, and he's kind of accepted the fact that he's getting older. Life is moving on. Will Smith, on the other hand, is just fighting it tooth and nail still wants to be chasing down bad guys when he's a hundred. I love that element to it. I thought one of the scenes that really grabbed me was when Will Smith's in the hospital and, and he's putting the just for men in the beard. I thought that was, that was perfect. That was a great, great scene that really encapsulated their friendship and the, the love that the two of these men have for each other. And then the other thing that I appreciated about it too, it seems like there's been a trope lately where you have the villain turn hero aspect of it. And it seems like movies today are more apt to forgive the atrocious things that the villain does before they turn to become a hero. And this one didn't do that. And I appreciated that. I like the scene where Will Smith says, I can't promise you that everything's going to be okay because you've done a lot of horrible stuff, but I can't promise you as your father that I'm going to be there for you. And so I like that aspect of it where they're not glossing over all the bad things that Will Smith's son has done right up until the end where apparently, you know, going forward, he's going to work on the side of the angels. So those are two things that really stood out to me that made it a little bit different. Though, Although, as Sean said, it, it was for the most part a cookie cutter script i thought the chemistry and the fact that they didn't gloss over the turn of the villain to the hero at the end i appreciated both of those elements so it worked for me a little bit better i agree with that i'd say yeah it's a bit cookie cutter but it's almost like i like to compare these bad boys films with 
the Bob Hope being Crosby Road 2 films. <laughs> storyline doesn't matter to me. It's all about watching the chemistry as they go through said storyline. And I think you're both right. And I think I think my score might reflect something along those lines when we get there. But we'll get there in a minute. Because first, we got to go into the Wayback Machine and go back all the way to 2000. Remember when 2000 was the distant future? <laughs> now it's the past. So the ball is back in your court, Sean. What did you think of the story of Get Carter 2000? You know, in terms of originality, to some extent, it, it kind of follows the original, if you will. But I think taking the storyline alone, you know, I really like it. And kind of it's kind of a it's a darker story to some extent. It's more it's to me, it's more of a realistic kind of street level kind of story. It reminds me of kind of a mob movie. It's like Donnie Brasco down on the street kind of level of these are kind of the real gangsters and out there in the real world for the most part. You know, so I thought it was kind of a really uh, dark movie in a lot of ways. And I appreciated that. You know, I also kind of liked the way, and this might be more retrospective, this is a 2000 movie, but how they bring in how it's kind of like, you know, one of the villains, it's kind of high tech is involved in the villainy of the whole thing, which is, you know, so back in 2000, you might not necessarily think that, but nowadays you're like, oh, that's obvious, you know. The one guy looks like Bezos for crying out loud, you know, the, <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of really kind of hit and kind of all came together for me in that sense. And then and then another thing that I I guess that I would say that I kind of really liked about it was the way that the scenes were done. And this maybe this more goes into the action, but I felt like it was kind of more realistic interactions all around among the characters, whether they're fighting each other or not fighting each other. Even the car chase scenes, you know, are kind of like seemed like a real car chase scene kind of thing. So, you know, I'd say overall, I really enjoyed that story plot a lot more. And I, I'm definitely partial to the anti-hero to Carter there. So, um, you know, that definitely falls in for me. And then, you know, seeing Michael Caine back in there, I kind of enjoyed seeing the, the original film a while back. And so just getting to see him in there. And I'm a big Mickey Rourke fan, too. And well, not big fan, but a couple of my favorite movies he's in. So, I kind of like that, even though it definitely did not have the chemistry of the first one. Definitely wasn't a blockbuster by any extent, but just going straight on story, you know, I really kind of like the dark neo-noir story or whatever the film word is for it, if you will. <laughs> the classic terms. <laughs> All right, Jason, I think I know where Sean's sniper bolt is going to go in round one, but hey, let's get your thoughts on uh, Get Carter 2000. Like Sean, I also appreciate Mickey Rourke in the classics, like uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> to this day i still not seen that oh man it's right up there with hudson it's like hudson hawk harley davidson marlboro <laughs> I can, man I that's a it. great double feature right there you gotta do it now in all seriousness though i like the premise i liked what they were trying to do with the script i liked the fact that you know obviously carter has a dark history there's something that moved him from Seattle to Las Vegas. We don't really know what it is. The death of his brother brings him back. Family connections brings him back. And Sean touched on it. One of the things that I really liked about the film was he didn't glorify violence at all. And the violence was real, real in air quotes for movie violence. But it wasn't a bunch of long, complicated shootouts like we have with the bad boys for life comparison this one was the get in they mix it up and it's done relatively quick and in times where carter has the option to kill he doesn't in a lot of cases because it's harder than 
they make it appear to be in the movies. It's And it's not something that he wants to do. So the things that really kind of detracted it from me, though, I thought the script, the dialogue was kind of weak. It was really frustrating to me because they have such great characters in here. You know, you got Stallone, you got Rourke, you've got, uh, uh, oh, was it McGinley or what? Uh, yeah, John C. McGinley. McGinley? Is good and everything. Oh, oh man, Th- these guys are so great. And it seems like they had nothing to work with. Like the dialogue was just so rote. It was very disappointing to me. A, a little bit better script would have serviced this film much better. So that's really my my full thoughts on it. I thought it was a good attempt. I liked the story. I liked the plot. The script and dialogue needed work. I think I want to fall slightly more into camp with Sean. I like the story. I like it a good amount. A couple of the things that stood out to me as far as the story went is I like how the movie is really just showing us the pivot point for Jack Carter, because you can tell he's already sick of the life. He's already in, in love with that woman. Who's like the main mob leaders girl. That's not smart, by the way, it's not smart. No, but more importantly, you can tell that he wants to save her and he's not a guy who saves people, but this path that he gets put on, he's warming up to it. He's warming up to using his talents for good instead of evil. <laughs> And so he, that's already on his mind. And then he's sort of pushed in that direction. And, you know, I agree that there could have had some, maybe some punchier dialogue, but I'm going to say this. I am a big fan of the rooftop scene where he kind of confronts his niece and she kind of tells her side of the story. I mean, that is a heart tugger to watch Stallone cry like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think I, I won't spoil too much. I was going to save that for my character, my hero moment, but I agree oh, 110%. You know, and I'll jump in and steal some of your time here just to say that (laughs) Stallone really does. This is no reflection on Stallone's acting ability. I think with what he had to work with Mm, in this film, he did a great job. And that scene was one of those one of those scenes that proved the point. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. We've talked about round one enough. We got plenty of rounds to get to. So we got to get moving. Let's go ahead and score these. And we'll start with Jason and I's one to ten. And we'll find out where Sean's going to put his sniper's bullet. Jason, let's go back to Bad Boys for Life on a scale of 1 to 10, survey says. I'm giving Bad Boys for Life a 7. I know it's cookie cutter, but I really love the chemistry between these two. And we start off with a match game because I also scored it a 7. Get Carter. I'm guessing your score is going to be lower than mine. Let's find out. <laughs> think so. Yeah, I, I think that in terms of originality or attempted originality, this one was better, but it just didn't land because of poor dialogue. I'm going to give it a six. All right. And I gave it a seven. One point off. And now, Sean, Sniper's Bullet. In terms of story, which movie did you like better? I'm going to get Carter. I like I like the dark storyline and kind of the more realistic, if you will, characters and that. So, yep, definitely get Carter. Excellent. And that's the end of my round. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you? Now we're going into round two. We're going to talk about the hero. How cool are the hero or heroes? And we're going to start it off with Sean talking about the heroes from Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, so obviously the main hero is obviously Michael or Mike, Will Smith's character. And then, of course, the sidekick Marcus's character. You know, they're the two main heroes. I'd say Will Smith is the main hero. And it's 
you know, they're kind of the classic buddy team. He's kind of the, you know, if I said before, you know, he's kind of like the Mel Gibson type character, you know, a lot more chemistry, a lot better with the funny lines, you know, a lot more charismatic, you know, um, he is great as a leading man for this kind of film and the two of them together are perfect. And then, you know, I kind of like the whole ensemble of the, if you will, the second tier characters, his, uh, would be girlfriend, I, I guess, or whatever. And then the other people involved, they were pretty good characters as well. So I thought there was a good backup cast of heroes. But I think overall, I think of kind of his, his you know, Will Smith's character being the main hero. Yeah, I thought he was great. You know, that's kind of what I'm looking for, especially in this in this kind of movie, something that's like a main action film, you know, a buddy film. You know, I think as we just called said, you know, cookie cutter script. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that makes it all happen. He was great. Thanks for that, Sean. Jared, what are your thoughts? Very similar to Sean's. I mean, Will Smith's just a whole bucket of charisma. You know, he uses charisma even back in 95 when they started this franchise all the way to 2020, which is, I don't know, several years later. I don't want to do the math. <laughs> I guess 25. Is it 25? 95, 2000. I don't know. I don't want to do the math. Was it 95 when they did it? So, yeah. so five years to 2000. Yeah, 20, 25. 25 years. Yeah. Gosh, dog. Anyway. Yeah, Will Smith is a bucket of charisma, and and of course, Martin Lawrence is just a bucket of funny. And so they make a great duo. It's everything you wanted to see, you know, when it comes to them just kind of blowing stuff up and making jokes. And then you get to add in the dashes of, like, Joey Pants as the captain. He's always welcome, you know. It's a lot of fun. They bring in that that younger crew. I wasn't as sold on the younger crew. Some of that just didn't land with me very well. Not that I didn't like him. I just thought, okay, I get it. You spice it up. You, got, you have to have something to play off to make them seem older. To me, that was like the main reason the younger crew there was to make them seem older, <laughs> which I think it worked to an extent. But none of those characters really grabbed me. Like there was no character out of the younger crew that I was like, oh, that that one has a real future. And this at the end, I was like, no, I just want to see more of Mike and Marcus. <laughs> this is all I really want to see. No slide on them. They just didn't really super grab me. But you know, it gave me what I wanted. It was the heroes I wanted from the Bad Boys franchise, and, and you can't say any more than that. So you'd say you were out of ammo? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you. I think that they were trying a little bit too hard with the younger crew. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of old dog, new tricks type of theme that they were running there, but I don't want to get too ahead because I might talk about it a little more in the deduction round, but it always, it always bothers me when they have the women are all like heavily makeup up going into combat and the, <laughs> and the guys have like the moose all in their hair and everything, you know, it's like, are we primping before combat now? Is that what we're doing? Is that, is that what the, <laughs> or, or more importantly, they still look that way after combat. Like, right. Yeah. There was exactly. one movie on action film face off and maybe you'll remember, but I can't remember what it was, but we, we both commented about, I think it was Desperado. How after the gunfights, he's literally covered in sweat. Yes. And, and you're like, that's how it is. Like you don't walk away looking pretty. <laughs> right. No, you're, you're exhausted. It's like, yeah, it's like, no, I'm not I'm not gonna have sex with Selma Hayek. I just need to sit over whoa, here. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> find that reserve button, tap into it, <laughs> finish this mission. One thing I was wondering is you mentioned the whole ammo and the younger crew. Do you so do you think they included them 
just because they're like, okay, we're going to go out to Mexico and knock off this big drug crew and we can't just have the two of them do it alone like it's uh, Murdo and Riggs or something like that, and then they just kind of added character to them, or do you think that they brought them in for the purpose of establishing that these guys are old and they're on their way out? Probably both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think because if you think about Bad Boys 2, they went into Cuba, they invaded Cuba, and they hooked up with a DEA team that was kind of their own age. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if they really wanted to have them hook up with another team, they could have done that in any type of configuration. I think this was really to highlight the age aspect of it and all the new technology that they were using, the drones and everything else, I think was just kind of a... I, I got to say, I really enjoyed the part where uh, Will Smith's character looks at the yoga ball in the chair and then looks at the big buff guy and is just disgusted. I, I, I got a lot of that. Yeah, I, it's not, yeah. his, not his generation anymore. That was good. That was good. Well, let's talk about Get Carter. I guess we got to kind of put heroes in air quotes in this one. <laughs> <laughs> a little dark, but hey, he's getting the dark. job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll say protagonist. What do you think about the protagonist? I uh, get Carter, Sean. You know, as I alluded to before, I really like the character. Uh, you know, I'm a kind of fan of the anti hero, and I think he fills that role well. And I think Weasel Skull, as you had mentioned, or, and maybe both of you, Jared, as well, you know, it's not like he's out to just kill people left and right. He only uses violence when he thinks like he needs to. You know, it's kind of like a tool in his toolbox, if you will. And he uses it reluctantly, but when he uses it, he uses it very well. So I really like that about him. And then the whole thing with his niece and, you know, you had mentioned kind of, you know, how he sort of has that, you know, I don't want to say this for a Sylvester Stallone character, but he, he definitely has that softer side, that compassionate side. They spend like, seems like the whole night in that cafe drinking coffee and talking and stuff. So to me, that really kind of made him a, you know, a fuller character. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated that. And just the fact, you know, where he has a chance to, you know, you know, knock off the tech guy who might have ultimately been responsible for his brother's death, and he doesn't do it. And I don't know if that's because he really believes what the guy's telling him is, or he just sees some young kid that could be his brother who effed up, and he just wants to show him mercy. I was kind of mixed on that. You know, I, I really enjoyed that him is the kind of the anti-hero character you know not charismatic like will smith you know it's a de- definitely a different movie there was no i don't think there was any laughs in there at all unless maybe you're a little sadistic or something you know he was a very enjoyable hero i thought great thanks sean jared anything to add Nah, pretty much the same just love the way that jack carter via stallone can threaten people without directly threatening them you know why don't you give me a ride back to my car we'll talk about it oh, i can't do that yeah you can there's not really a choice involved but you know just the way he delivers those lines just to be able to watch the soft spot of the tough guy when it came to his niece and we talked about that scene on the roof's great scene and just like i said just a great job with the whole story the entire movie it just feels like it's a pivot point for jack carter's life i think when you meet him at the beginning he's not satisfied with what he's doing and he doesn't know why yet and i think he figures out why and i think he gets a whole new path by the end of the film and i just like watching the change so that's all i'll add the one scene that i wanted to touch on was when he finds out that guy that was responsible for what happened to his niece on the balcony i thought that was one that was one exception to what i said before about the relatively poor writing for the the script i thought this was brilliantly written because you could see that stallone really did not want to throw that guy off the building he really didn't want to do it 
but he had to do it because mm-hmm. that was his family. And he even made the point of blaming himself. He says, I blame myself because I left. And if I had stayed, this S never would have happened. You know, but at the end of the day, old boy had to had to fly. <laughs> that dude said, please don't kill me. He said, you killed yourself. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to bring that up. I thought that was a good point in that it's. It's kind of like he's not killing him. He's dying because of his own actions. You know, you killed yourself. So I don't know if he's just telling that to himself to make him feel better about it. Or, you know, he's just kind of explaining that's the way it played out. But, yeah, that was that was something I was going to bring up, Jared. I thought that was the the dialogue overall was not the greatest, but that was fitting for that scene. Absolutely. And when you juxtapose that scene to the scene, like when he fought those two guys in the elevator and he could have killed him. He could have killed both those guys at the end there. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is where Captain America got it. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. Winter Soldier scene. <laughs> yeah, and one thing about it, you, you mentioned it being a pivot point for him. I don't know if you call from the very end when he gets in the car and he kind of circles Las Vegas on the map. You know, I think that sort of follows up with like, like that. I guess it did support in the box office. There was no sequel. But I think that goes to what you were saying, Jared, about how it was a, a pivot point for him. And now he's, you know, kind of following a new path, if you will. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we talked about them. It's time to score them. Jared, what are you giving the heroes for Bad Boys for Life? Strong eight all the way. Strong eight. I went a little higher on this one. I gave them a nine. I thought that they did a really great job, and I've really enjoyed all three of these films. And I think like a fine wine, they're just getting better with time. That's respectable. What about Get Carter? Let's put on repeat. Strong eight. I love Jack Carter. I think he's a great character. Yeah. Again, I thought... Dialogue brought it down a little bit for me. I ended up giving it a six. I'm sorry. I thought you said six. What did, what, what, I, I did <laughs> give it a six. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't. Ooh. It just wasn't selling it for me. That, it was it taking just, me what, out of the film. Man. We, That's okay. I, I, hate, I hate it when we're two points apart. <laughs> I know. We're two. That's like a world apart. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, maybe I was a little harsh on it. But, uh, you know, I was kind of doing this last minute. but you're right i have a feeling the sniper may offset some of that six so let's turn it over the sniper who's getting your bullet yeah i'm I'm going with jack carter you know bias to the anti-hero and the whole story and and all that you know i I really enjoyed that and maybe i'm a little influenced by you know having liked the original jack carter as well the original get carter as well but i'm I'm definitely going with carter fair enough all right that must mean it's time for round three some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining, how memorable is your villain? Jason, we'll let you go first this time. Tell me about the villainy of Bad Boys for Life. Well, I thought that the villain uh, was kind of interesting. There definitely was a complicated backstory there. And by villain, I'm really talking about the woman. Isabella, was that her name? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. The Bruja. <laughs> the Bruja. Yeah, I started wondering. I was like, Jared, you need to start looking for little ofrendas hidden around the house. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, right off the get-go, from the first time you see her breaking out of prison, you know that, like, holy cow, this woman is dangerous. Mm -hmm. She's kind of turning me on right now, which (laughs) is something about me. (laughs) So I understand where where Mike was coming from, you know. (laughs) She's sexy as hell. She's dangerous. She's manipulative. She's kind of behind the scenes for the most part. Her son, Mike's son, is kind of the the main, I guess, villain as far as the one causing most of the action. 
throughout the film, but she's really the one pulling the string. So that's kind of who I'm, I'm looking at as the villain in this piece. I thought she did a really good job. The actor just really pulled it off. So, you know, out of a cookie cutter plot, we could have had a cookie cutter villain. And I don't think she was very cookie cutter. She was very unique, integral to the story. Yeah, just uh, expect a decent score from me. Fair enough. Sean, thoughts on the villainy of Bad Boys for Life? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to disagree a little bit with Weasel Skull. I like the whole idea of the the witch, if you will. She could have just been a great and awesome character, but I don't think she got enough screen time interacting with other characters. She was kind of off screen in Mexico the whole time until the very end. She got a lot of screen time, but not interacting with the other characters. So I'm thinking back, you know, I hate to think of other films, but I think of something like Lethal Weapon, Mr. Joshua. He wasn't in it a whole lot, but he was a hell of a villain to me. You know, he kind of stuck with me. And I feel like maybe it's just because I'm thinking there's a lot of potential with this character and they just don't really pull it off. And maybe, you know, you got Will Smith, so you can't spend too much time on the villain, you know. And then you got the villain's son. It's kind of this a little bit of mommy dearest kind of plot or something. So um, she was a really good villain. But, you know, I just came away disappointed. And that maybe has to do with, you know, they didn't execute it well. I think it could have been done with all the films I've directed, it could have been done a lot better. I would have done it differently. You know? <laughs> so before camera you know, shot, it's, it's your expectations are, are different. And I, you know, I thought it could have been a lot better. And I, so I was a little disappointed. I, I hear you. I, I hear you both. I think to Jason's point, I think she was a cool character in that, you know, especially in South American cartel lifestyle, it's a man's world. And she had to be a cut above to even succeed. And I think she was, but to Sean's point, I think you're right. I think she wasn't maybe used enough makes a few phone calls here and there, sends a few texts, and then you see her at the end. So I understand both points of view. And with that, Jason, talk to me about the villainy of Git Carter. This one was kind of tough for me because there was villainy abound. I mean, it was all (laughs) around here. You had Michael Caine's character that was just scumbag. You had Mickey Rourke's character who was a scumbag. Alan Cummings' character was a scumbag. Jack Carter, the protagonist, was a bit of a scumbag. (laughs) He was hanging out with scumbags, working for a scumbag. So it's kind of hard to find where the the line between villainy ends and protagonist begins. But having said that, I think that's what makes this film somewhat interesting. And for me, the line was family. When you cross that line, bad things happen if you're on the business end of Jack Carter. So, you know, as I looked at it, I kind of focused mostly on Mickey Rourke. And I thought, again, what a waste of talent for this character. Like, I feel like what Sean was saying about Bad Boys for Life really applied to this movie. Like, there was so much that we could have done, so much more we could have learned about the history between Carter and Cyrus. Cyrus obviously could handle his own, was a physical match for Carter. And we just kind of got, I don't know, I just kind of felt let down between the final showdown between the two of them. I felt like there wasn't much of a buildup. There wasn't much of a resolution. And I just kind of walked away feeling like, ah, it's Mickey Rourke. I should have got something better. And I'll just leave it with that. Sean, your thoughts on the villainy? Yeah, you know, I agree. There's a lot of, a lot of villains, uh, as Weasel Skull had mentioned. I think he left out the high-tech guy who kind of portrays himself as this guy who just got swept up into this bad stuff. But I consider him one of the villains as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Alan um, Cumming. You know, kind of the sleazy, you know, kind of before his time, you know, is being a high-tech villain, if you will, you know, a venture 
capitalist or whatever you want to call him kind of character. Maybe it's a little, you know, 2000, a little bit ahead of his time. Maybe now it would have been a more appropriate evil villain, if you will. I'll um, tell you, in 1995, he was invincible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gold yeah. joke. I get it. <laughs> yeah. He gets it. You know, so I, I kind of considered Mickey Rourke the main villain in this. And like you said, um, you know, one of my favorite films of his is Angel Heart, you know, where he's the main character. So I'm thinking, you know, I was sort of hopeful we'd get a lot of him in this. And then we don't get very much of him at all. The trappings of the character were very good. In, in some ways, it's like, you know, to Jack, oh, you know, you're doing this old school stuff down there beating people up in Vegas for these mobsters. Here I am. I'm doing this high tech stuff. I'm the new guy. In a lot of ways, it reminded me of this old film, I Stand Alone. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a film noir. Uh, Kirk Douglas is in it, and then another guy from the time. But it has to do with this guy who does time in prison, and then he gets out after World War II, and he finds out that the whole organized crime world has gone beyond him, and he's, like, way out of step. And that's, you know, one of my favorite of the older movies. And it kind of reminded me of that, and that, like, he's telling Jack Carter, you know, you're way behind, you're kind of crude, you know, you need to catch up and get with it. And then there's also this kind of unspoken thing that, like, we're all criminals and this kind of stuff happens and it's part of the business. You know, he doesn't come out and say that, but, you know, it's kind of implied in that, you know, you know, your brother died, but we're kind of all involved in this kind of underworld business. You know, you just got to move on with it and, and deal with it. Yeah, he, he was a decent villain. I would take him as the villain of the movie. But, yeah, definitely, again, disappointed. They could have done a lot more with Mickey Rourke on, in that character, I think. Yeah, and I'll just wrap that up by agreeing with you there. It seems like really Stallone and Mickey Rourke just have sort of a lot of like dude bro, tough guy lines to one another. And although I kind of get it because, you know, the whole movie is about sort of misdirection about who can you trust and and why. And then and then when you find out why it kind of comes out of left field, and you're like, oh, oh, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> and it's about to get worse for everybody. So I, I don't know. I get it. But whatever. It's a gray movie, people, when it comes to the villainy. So let's just double back and score these films. Jason, what did you score the villainy of Bad Boys for Life? Bad Boys for Life, I gave a seven. And we have our second match game for the episode. I also scored it a seven. Let's go over to Get Carter, 2000, one to 10, Jason the Villainy. You know, I gave that one a six. I thought, even though I was disappointed, I thought Mickey Rourke did a good job in the scenes that he had, so I landed on a six for Get Carter. And as usual, I like this one a little bit more than you. I gave it a seven. I do think Mickey Rourke was a six, but when you added in the Alan Cummings and the John C. McGinley, then it gave it the bump up to the, the seven. So, Fair enough. Yep. Sean, Sniper's Bullet. Which villainy did you like better? I don't know. I intended to shoot this one in the air, but I'm going to go with Get Carter. And just based on, you know, I, I think that you kind of have an ensemble of villains, you know. I You know, I saw the original, so I like having Michael Caine in there, and he's kind of a slimy guy, so I like that. You got Mickey Rourke, you got the high-tech guy, you got the Vegas guy. So, you know, I think when you put all those characters together, you got a lot of kind of real street-level, believable, slimy people, you know. That's where my bullet's going. I'm not going to turn around, Sean. <laughs> that's all right by me. Anyways, with that, that's the end of my round. I'm going to kill them all, sir. All right. I guess it's my turn, and we're going to talk a little bit about spectacle, overall spectacle. How engaging is this film overall? We're talking about stunts, effects, cinematography, music, score, etc. And we'll go ahead, and uh, Jared, I'll let you kick it off this time. What did, were your thoughts of the overall spectacle of Bad Boys for Life? 
Well, look for a good score for me for the spectacle of bad boys for life. It does what all the bad boys movies have done. You're constantly reminded that you're in Miami. It's got Latin flavor. It's got hip hop flavor. It's got beach flavor. It's just, it's, it's a very Miami film. The lighting feels Miami, the music, everything feels right about it all the time. Uh, the, even with the new directors taking over from Michael Bay, they got it hundred percent. They knew what they were doing and it looks great. It sounds great. It strings a bunch of action together with a bunch of humor, with a bunch of tender moments. It's not a check your phone, look on Twitter movie. It's very engaging. I don't have a ton of bad things to say about it. So, you know what? I'm just going to shut up and pass it over to Sean. Take it away, Sean. Yeah, you know, I have to agree. This is, for me, you know, if you want to see an action movie and just be completely entertained start to finish, this pretty much has everything you want in it. It's a buddy film. It's got, you know, great charismatic leads in it. It's got lots of humor. It's got tons of action of every kind. You know, the stories, you know, solid, you know, it's just start to finish. I was completely entertained with it. It's one of those movies where, you know, if you just want to leave the world behind you and just be completely entertained for two hours or whatever it is, this is the one to see. You know, I didn't come out of it thinking about, oh, you know, that didn't make sense. Or what was that character thinking about? Or what are the moral implications? I was just entertained. And yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. You guys covered it all entertaining awesome great effects and uh let's talk about uh get carter how does that stack up jared you know i feel very very similarly about get carter even though they're totally way different (laughs) but i also really like the music of get carter i really like the way it's shot has some creative angles some creative cuts just the editing and the cinematography and the shots they use alone are creative engaging. I kept saying, oh, that's a cool shot. Oh, that was a cool effect. Just as a small example, love the elevator scene where Carter's playing out different outcomes in his head. I could do this. I could do that. We could try this. I love the way the lady just walked off the elevator like I am in the middle of something I do not need to be in the middle of. Like I said, cool audios, cool visuals. I think Jason could appreciate this as as close as he lives to Seattle. I think tonally the colors felt right in the difference between the Vegas scenes and the Seattle scenes. Having been to Seattle, it it felt right to me, the color palettes and all that. So, I mean, again, two totally different films when it comes to their type of spectacle, but very strong on, on both sides. So look for good scores for both of these for me. Sean, what do you have to add? Judging this just when I think of an action film, this kind of lacked a lot of the spectacle I expect in sort of the air quotes action film, you know, to me, this was kind of more of one of those kind of, uh, you know, darker film noir kind of gangster type movies. You know, I guess looking at it, that sense kind of, you know, Jared had said kind of, you know, I kind of like the environment. I like what they did with the editing. You know, one thing I noticed from the very beginning, the opening when they're going through and he's on the train, it looked, as I recall, they kind of copied a little bit from what they did from the original Get Carter, if you think about it, it even kind of has that 70s sound and almost maybe reminds you of some of that editing you might have seen in the 70s, one of those darker 70s movies like The French Connection or something like that. So I thought that was all great, but it wasn't a, a great enough movie as kind of, a, you know, one of these darker gangster movies to say it, it presented a spectacle that really competed with Bad Boys for Life, if you will, or that I would put it up there as, yeah, this is what I, you know, for an action film and I think spectacle Bad Boys for Life is kind of the thing I want to see. This is more of a, a make-you-think kind of movie, not a spectacle, if you will. Yeah, I think you kind of hit upon the theme that 
that was rolling around in my head too, Sean. It's very difficult to compare these two movies because one is a spectacle film. It's a film designed around the gunfights, the chases, the fist fights. It's, you know, just visually very engaging. Get Carter, on the other hand, is is much more of a psychological film. And as such, the effects in that are tonally different. Having said that, we still got to try to score them because that's what this is all about. So let's throw it out there and see what Jared what did you give the spectacle for Bad Boys for Life? I gave it a very solid eight. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. So I'm going with an eight. Okay. I went a little bit higher. I went with a nine. I thought that the spectacle really held my attention the whole way through. You mentioned it. Never uh, checked my phone once. Never had to hit the pause button. Watched that two hour plus movie straight through. And I felt like I flew through it. So nine for me. Moving over to Get Carter, like we talked about, obviously a very different type of film. What did you give the spectacle? This may come as a shock because I just gave Bad Boys for Life an eight, but I'm giving Get Carter an eight, but it's a very different eight. I just really am taken with the cinematography, the music, and the tone of the film overall. And I really like what you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jason, that brutal, realistic violence. For all the big fights I've had in kitchens and all the dudes I've thrown off balconies, it, it rings true to me. Yeah, I went, I've gone green for a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it makes no sense. I'm giving it an eight, and that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I will agree with you uh, on the fact that it makes no sense. Uh, I'm giving that. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. To me, yeah, this was tough. This was tough. I landed on a six. I hear what you're saying. The violence is much more realistic. This isn't really an action film. This is more of a psychological noir drama piece. That's fair. Some action elements that, that fit in. So, you know, so it's really tough. But at the end of the day, what keeps me from going higher, again, is the script, particularly the dialogue. In order for those action pieces to sell me more, I need a crisper script. And that's, I just didn't get that. And that's the piece that's lacking for me uh, in this film. But, you know, I'm not the final word. John is the final word because he's got the sniper bullet. Who's getting it? Bad boys for life. You know, for all the, all the reasons stated. It, this is, is an action spectacle. It's got everything you want. And, and, and like you said, you know, a get Carter just isn't, isn't that kind of movie. Maybe if done differently, it, it could be. But, yeah, it's not. So, yep, bad boys for life gets my sniper bullet. All right, Jared, that brings it back to you for the big grand finale. (laughs) Well, that means it's round five. Put the knife away and shut your mouth. Round five is the best action scene. My brother, the Weasel Skull, generally breaks these down for us. So he'll give us the breakdown of the action scenes for Bad Boys for Life. We'll all pick which one of them was our favorite. Then he'll give us the breakdown for the action scenes to get Carter. We'll all pick which one's our favorite. And then we'll double back and score them. So, Jason, what's the breakdown for Bad Boys for Life? I mean, there were several little action scenes in there that I I just kind of nah, nah, nah. There's There's really three big action sets. The first one is the gunfight in the body shop. <laughs> I called that one lots of bodies in this body shop. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cap. They shot each other. Are you telling me you didn't shoot anybody? Well, Cap, of course they shot. <laughs> oh, I shot somebody. <laughs> great, great. 
The second one starts in the club, ends up with the car chase, ends up with the gang on the motorcycles, a crazy motorcycle chase. That one that starts in the club, I call that rubber bullets. You're the one. You make headshots so much fun. <laughs> like rubber. It's under the tune of rubber ducky. It's under the tune of rubber ducky. I, I got it. <laughs> All right. The third one was the finale, the shootout at the band, abandoned hotel there in Mexico City. Need a little help with this one, fellas. I don't know. What's a good one to call this one? Checking out. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> call it checking out. All right, we've got those three major scenes all laid out. Jason, which one was your favorite? As good as checking out was, I really liked Rubber Bullets. You're the one. <laughs> you make headshots so much fun. I couldn't stop laughing when he couldn't stop touching that dude's welt. I, mean, <laughs> I got it. I got it. It's touch. calling to me, it's Mike. Calling. It's calling. calling to me. <laughs> <laughs> all I right. thought that was a great action scene, too. Sean, which was your favorite action scene of the ones Jason laid out? Was it too many bodies in the body shop? Did I get it right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, lots I, of bodies in the body shop. I, I really enjoyed that one. And that's the one scene that stuck out in my mind when the guy gets smashed by the car lift. Mm. Down that, yeah, uh, that you know, for me, that that's kind of action I want to see in my action film. The whole scene was great. And that just really topped it off for me. And I'm going to play the actual punk out card here because I literally liked all three of them about the same. So I'll just pick the last one. I'll say checking out. That way we'll have picked a different one. But I would score them all the same. I would score each and every one of them with the same score. So I think they're all great. And, you know, that speaks well of an action movie. It, it reminds me of a previous episode. We talked about Blade. Blade had a couple of action scenes and they're all really strong. Like when you have them all at that yep. same level, that's a good thing. So I'll just go ahead and pick the checking out the hotel on fire and with that jason what's the breakdown of scenes for get carter the first one i think it came first was the kitchen fight when the guy follows him into the kitchen (laughs) that's a bad idea (laughs) yeah yeah and i call that one you gotta think safety in the kitchen (laughs) all right the second one was the first car chase where the guy tries to get him the plane ticket to you know, mm-hmm. get him out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that one. You can keep your sky miles. <laughs> the third one was the elevator fight. I called that one second floor infirmary. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one was car chase number two, which, by the way, I'm just throwing this in here. Like that car chase, like took place all over Seattle. They're like teleporting from place mm-hmm. to place, and there's no traffic. No, tra- you can't even have a car chase in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Come on, no. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get out and walk or... Yeah, that's right, you know, yeah. Get, get those little rental scooter things from the sidewalk and chase Segways, each other. Segways, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, I called that one... See, I found a parking spot in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. And then the final one was the uh, Mickey Rourke fight. I need a little help with this one. I don't know, because, like, Mickey Rourke beat the crap out of him in, like, round yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might call it, don't give him a second chance. <laughs> <laughs> what does Sloan say to him? Something like you need to finish what you start or something like that. That's yeah, pretty, that's pretty yeah, much what okay. it came down to. All right, we'll call that one better finish what you started. So five scenes. All right. What's your favorite? I really like the elevator fight for reasons you touched upon. I thought it was filmed really well. I liked how they he was playing out all the scenarios in his mind. I like the tension of the woman standing between them. I just <laughs> thought so good. That's one scene where my eyes were like glued to the screen. Like I have no idea what's going to happen here. 
but it's not going to be pretty. And it wasn't, but it was really cool. So elevator fight for me. All right. All right, Sean. You know, this one was kind of light on action in comparison to the others. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to go with kind of that two round fight at the end there, just because, you know, I like to see the hero and villain face it off. At the very end, he sticks a gun in his face, but you don't ever hear a bullet. So I don't know if yeah. he doesn't kill him or in my head, I'm thinking he just chokes him to death. You know, I don't know. But, you know, it kind of it leaves know. it a bit ambiguous. I wasn't even sure if he was already dead because, like, he looked non-responsive. Yeah, yeah. I I was going to ask you guys. I was like, did he end up killing that guy or not? But I guess they left it a question mark. But I like to think after what happened to his niece that he put a bullet in that guy. (laughs) I would think he would have had to. I mean, if he checked that one guy off the balcony, right? And he worked for Cyrus, right? So I don't know how he would have got out of that one. I probably should have mentioned this in the villain round, but kudos to uh, Rourke, man. He was jacked up, man. You see those arm muscles he had rocking? Goodness gracious. He spent some time in the gym or with chemicals. I don't know what. But <laughs> a little column A, a little column B. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time picking my favorite scene, too, because they are kind of brutal. I really did like the parking spot in Seattle car chase. It's one of the better car chases seen, and I like how it ended. I think ultimately, though, I'll take the elevator fight just because I like the like you said, the way it played out different ways in his mind, that lady in the elevator played it perfect. And then when it was go time, it was go time. And that was just cool. I did like that scene in the car chase, how he used the tow truck that was towing the, yeah. And then used that to knock the other car off. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It was good. Real good car chase. So let's double back and score them. Jason, your favorite action scene was, well, they were all good. <laughs> Which one did you pick? You went with, Oh, the club. I want the club. club. Yeah, the club fight. Mm-hmm. The rubber bullets. Rubber, rubber bullets, you're the one. You make headshots so much fun. <laughs> to the tune of? I liked it to a tune of a nine. I'd give every action scene in that movie a solid eight. I thought they were all really good. I guess I picked the hotel scene. That would be an eight for me. Okay, get Carter. We both liked Elevator. We're going to match game. I can feel it. Sevens. I, I went with a seven on this Woo! one. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel it in the air. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, the action was short. Short in duration, but the tension, the buildup, the way that was filmed, it yeah, good it, tension, it, good buildup, good brutality. It's unique. It sticks into my mind, and if it sticks into my mind, it's worth at least a seven. I concur. One shot, one kill. Sean, I'm betting I know which one you thought had better action scenes, but go ahead and say it out loud. I got to say, I was a bit disappointed with uh, Get Carter. I made my daughters and wife watch the trailer to get them in, you know, interested in watching it with me, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And I think they showed every fight scene in the trailer. Mm. Um, with the talent in that movie, I think you needed to double the fight scenes, and then you would have been into something action-wise. But there just wasn't enough of it there, and maybe that didn't go along with the plot and the whole feel of the story in that. So, yeah, I'm definitely going with Bad Boys for Life with my uh, sniper bullet for action. And, yeah, my favorite was, you know, again, the car scene, the car shop scene. Nothing wrong with that. All right, then. That's the end of the action scene round. Only one thing left to do. I hand it to Jason. Nobody's bitch. Well, we've got the deduction round. It's time for the round for the ridiculous. If we're going to take anything off from either Bad Boys for Life or Get Carter, let's do it now. Jared. I'm going to start off with Bad Boys for Life. I'm going to deduct one point, even though it got a laugh and it was funny. When the big guy from the ammo team was like, hey, would you guys be willing to go to a group therapy session for me? And they were like, of course, yeah. And they were like, we ain't going to no therapy. It's funny, 
But come on, man. Help your teammate out. He needed you in a therapy session. You go. He's your teammate. It's the right thing to do. Minus one for screwing your teammate. Well, now you're going to make mine sound petty because you're absolutely right. That's well-deserved minus one, man. The guy obviously had some PTSD coming in. He's got some serious PTSD coming out. He's going to need a little help. So that's not funny. I'm taking off Bad Boys for Life, the mascara scene. You know, the mascara in combat. Come on now. You don't need that. Minus one. She looked good, though. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did. She did. But you know what? She would have looked good without the mascara. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, what we want to see is how badass she is in that. Mm-hmm. And she she is badass. She holds her own in the action scene. So good for her. You don't need to dollar up. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. How many points are we taking off for Get Carter? I got no beef with Get Carter. Nothing bothered me. So zero deductions. I'm in the same boat. I think I've said what I've had to say about Get Carter. No point in belaboring, you know, any of my points anymore. Nothing uh, minus for me either. So All right. Well, Sean, uh, your days of sniping are over, but we do allow the sniper to air any grievances. It won't affect any scores, but if there's anything that super bugged you about either film, now's your chance. Yeah, bad boys for life. Time to check out scene or whatever it was. So they have this giant chimney, and there's a giant fire at the bottom there, and Martin Lawrence is kind of dangling there. I think he definitely should have been fried or at least burned out his airways or something like that because it's got to be about... 3,000 degrees right there. So that kind of annoyed me. I know it's an action film, but, you know, going back, doing the wheelie backwards on the motorcycle with the rocket launcher in each hand, that's that's fine. But this was a little too much for me. He did say that his butt was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, with that, that's the end of our official rounds. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. And for those of you who were playing Match Game, just three matches in this episode. I clearly like Get Carter better than most people on the planet. But <laughs> having said that, you're also your fun fact is our sniper was pretty evenly distributed. He gave three points to Get Carter and two to Bad Boys for Life. So with all that, Looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off, with a score of 79 to 71, closer than you might have thought, is Bad Boys for Life. Bad boys, bad boys. What, what you gonna, gonna do? do? What you gonna, gonna do when they come for snip, you? Snip, 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 All right. Well, that was, was a barn burner right there. Holy cow. Congratulations to Bad Boys for Life. But now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose your destiny. Nineteen ninety six, and I will bring a film from Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen seventy nine. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're talking to you, Dave. Battle wagon. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. 
Jared, I believe you have uh, you have an announcement. I do. On the next episode, I'm going to rewire the randomizer. What? We're gonna, I know, right? <laughs> Jason and I have spoken, and we've decided that we're going to do what we call a retro rewind episode, which means our randomizer is usually set from 1970 to modern day. Right now, it's set from 1970 to 2020, because 2021 isn't over yet. For the next episode, we're going to set the randomizer from 1950 to 1969. And we're going to watch some old school action films just for a little bit of fun. So Retro Rewind, not next episode, but the one after that. We'll get the years next episode. We'll talk about it on the one after that. You're watching some 50s action. I'm going to plug you, say. <laughs> You're a bad egg. <laughs> You're a really bad egg. All right. Well, that sounds exciting. All right. I can't wait. Get to see some uh, some old school action. But until then... I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And I want to thank Crusaders Club member Sean Urbanski for joining us this evening. By the time you hear this edited up, it's going to sound nice and smooth, but he put up with some bullshit tonight so sean thanks for getting through it with us where can people find you if they might want to chat with you sean urbanski all one word on twitter i highly recommend it it's just that simple folks at sean urbanski all one word simple i like it (laughs) yeah he put up with a lot of shenanigans tonight (laughs) but we ride together we die together bad boys for (laughs) life right sean It, it sounds better than good podcasters for life huh I guess it does, it does. And speaking of which, be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade, iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your podcatchers, or directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send a question or comment, you can hit us up on social media. We are at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or if you just want to specifically talk about Action Film Faceoff, we are at AFFO Podcast on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And, of course, you want to interact with us with some live chat, be entered to win some free stuff, yeah, you might want to check out our Doing It live stream. It's on YouTube. Just go on YouTube, search Longbox Crusade. You'll find us there. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. It's your round you gotta ask me about, Kit Carter. Oh, okay. I thought you were writing something down. So I was trying, trying to wait for you. Man, our our our, our rhythm is just... just I blame Sean. Oh, it's our parents, man. My parents, the AC, my cats. Everything's conspiring against me. Oh, man. I told him I'm podcasting tonight. Don't call me. Stop calling me, Mom. <laughs> Mom, try to podcast. My podcast, Mom. Bring me some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, meatloaf. Meatloaf. Ma'am. You should have joked around. Man. He froze up again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
So are you guys going to get an accounting firm to sponsor this and do the official tally at some point? or? Well, we have a, our official accountant, but <laughs> I don't know. I think she takes our largesse for granted. <laughs> she hasn't been to work in ever. Uh, that's what it seems like. She's going to blow him away. <laughs> <laughs>